the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What is going on at ABC? First of all, ABC has George Stephanopoulos hosting its Sunday morning political show. And uh, he's also their main anchor for political coverage. You'll see him on election night. Was a lot, which is a lot like Fox News putting Karl Rove in the same position. Imagine that. So I came across this video today from Live with Kelly and Ryan. It's a morning show on ABC, in case you didn't know what it was. It's George's wife explaining in a roundabout way her family's reaction to the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Listen to this. George runs out, by the way, with the wallet, and me and our two girls, Elliot and Harper, just sitting at this restaurant for 45 minutes, enraged that he's just left us. So then I go outside, I see George pacing on the street, and I'm like, George! And he's going like this to me, which that means, like, I'm talking Serious. to boys. No, yeah. Yeah. Right. And I come back in, we're getting upset, we keep going out, daddy, daddy, bugging him. He's live on ABC talking about Ruth Oh, he's Bader undoing Ginsburg. a phone in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. And okay. you didn't know. And okay. I didn't know. Okay. And I'm with the girls going, well, I hope she's worth it. I hope, whatever, <laughs> you know, I hope that whatever woman he's seeing, I hope this is... <laughs> we finally get in the car. Me and the girls get in the car. We're waiting, 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 waiting. He finally comes in. He burst into tears. Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died. Oh. My two daughters, burst. we sat there in the parking lot crying for 45 minutes. I'm going to start crying again. At I really am. Marishka Hargitay gave my 18-year-old daughter, Elliot, this doll, her emotional wow. support doll. And Elliot gave it to me over the weekend. Here you Aww. go, sister. Thank you very much. Anyway, right I thought George was crying about the brisket, but it in turn, it really yeah. was about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Absolutely. So that was my Friday night. Yeah, so um, George burst into tears and they cried for 45 minutes. Now, it's understandable that he would be upset to hear that uh, Justice Ginsburg died. He may have come to know her because she was appointed by Bill Clinton when he was advising Clinton. But if you're a man and you burst into tears and cry for 45 minutes over the death of an 87-year-old Supreme Court justice, what do you do when you hear about someone in your family passing away? I mean, what's your response then? Um, and by the way, you, you heard her say that they gave their daughter a uh, comfort doll. On TV, the, she had a doll, a small doll, in the likeness of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in her judge's robes and everything. And she said that she had to give that comfort doll to her 18-year-old daughter because she was so upset about Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying. An 18-year-old girl needed a, a comfort doll. It's uh, it's pretty scary, actually. So, but anyway, uh, it should all this should tell you something about where George is coming from with his political coverage. Then there's this from the Free Beacon. Remember last week when ABC had a town hall with the president and they said that the people asking questions were all undecided voters? Well, the Free Beacon did a little, little investigating, looked up some of the people who were supposedly undecided on their social media accounts, and it turns out that uh, many of the people, uh, many of the questions, I should say, were asked by blatantly anti-Trump people. So they weren't, um, you know, undecided. They were plants to torture the president. Now, why would anybody be surprised uh, at that? But if you ask your favorite liberal if most of the media are biased against President Trump, they'll tell you that you, if you're a Trump supporter, are paranoid. And they'll be quick to tell you that Fox News is actually faux news, and Fox News is the one that can't be trusted. That's what's going on out there. Anyway, coming up after the break, I'm going to talk to a guy who has to deal with the media every day. That would be the communications director for Trump 2020, Tim Murtaugh. And coming up in our second half hour, we're going to talk to a former congresswoman from Western PA who left D.C. in 2007. Find out if she thinks that uh, things are any worse now than they were when she was there. We'll uh, do that when we come back. Stick around.
John Stoggerwald here. I'm just here to tell you how much I love my pillow and how it's changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. That's really amazing. Now, I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. Now it comes with a 10-year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. And it's made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and save 30%. Use promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. When you do, Mike gives you two standard MyPillows free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code STAG, or call 800 716 8087. Patriot Mobile is working harder every day to keep conservatives grounded in their values. Just listen to why you should switch today. They are truly the only Christian conservative cell phone provider that is now number one in customer satisfaction of all cell phone companies. With Patriot Mobile, you'll find a plan that will fit any budget. When you talk to their U.S.-based customer service team, you get answers. Switch today. Get free activation and a free gift, as well as the broadest coverage on a dependable nationwide 4G LTE network. And no other provider will donate a portion of your bill to conservative organizations that support the First and Second Amendments. Pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, working for the needs of veterans and first responders. There's real power in your cell phone bill. Call 972-PATRIOT or go to patriotmobile.com slash G-O-R-K-A. 972-PATRIOT, patriotmobile.com slash G-O-R-K-A. America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. Worried about deductibles and co-pays, dental or vision? How about elective procedures? Marley Financial has got you covered. This is John Steigerwald. Marley Financial is now offering a new health savings account that can be used for anything health-related, anything. Co-pays and deductibles, any prescription, even elective procedures. Marley's new turbocharged health savings account can set you free of high premiums and out-of-pocket expenses. There's even a company matching component that can provide two or even three to one in benefits. And because it's a contribution, not a premium, your value stays with you for the rest of your life. And if you recently lost your job and your health benefits, Marley has programs to get you the coverage you need when you need it most. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1496 and ask about their new turbocharged health savings account. That's 784-884-1496. Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the marketplace at MarleyFG.com. Hey, y'all. Hey. We're Diamond and Silk. You've seen us on TV and social media. Or maybe you read our new book, Uprising. Who the hell said you can't ditch and switch? Now, we're here to tell you about what's next. An exclusive video event, Diamond and Silk Unscripted, with the one and only Larry Elder. We'll be telling our truth about who we are and how it all began. How our faith gave us the courage and freedom to speak our minds and not allow anyone to dictate our destiny or our future. We will talk about the world we grew up in, mm-hmm. what led us to rebel against that world, and how rebellion led us to speak out on politics and reach millions of viewers. It's an exclusive video event from Salem Now, Diamond and Silk Unscripted with Larry Elder. Oh, you don't want to miss this. So log on to SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com for Diamond and Silk with Larry Elder. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the president's going to be holding a rally at the Pittsburgh airport in a couple of hours, and it won't be the last time he's in western Pennsylvania between now and November 3rd. You know, he's a New Yorker, and he probably remembers when the Pirates, uh, managed by Danny Murtaugh, beat the Yankees in 1960. Uh, Danny's grandson, Tim, happens to be the director of communications for the Trump campaign right now, and he's on the show here every other Tuesday. Tim, how you doing? Doing well, John. How about yourself? Yeah, I, good, I, imagine good. The, I have never discussed the 1960 World Series with the president. I was going to ask. But, uh, that was going to be my first question, <laughs> yes. You, you, I'll, have to, I'll have to remember to bring it up. I'm, I'm sure he will remember. Well, he, it will be one of the, if he was a baseball fan as a kid, and I know he played baseball, so I'm guessing he was a, a Yankee, so he had to be a, uh, there were no uh, New York Mets then, so the Yankees were the only team in town at the time. Um, 
he had to be a big Yankees fan, and it has to be one of the worst days of his life. And I'm all, I'm a couple years younger than he is, but it was one of the the best days of my life. I was a uh, 11 years old, but um, it was a pretty big day. So I I, I guarantee you, he he was, would not have fond memories of that. He might fire you for bringing it up, actually. Well, I, I sure hope maybe I shouldn't bring it up then. I don't know. He <laughs> he um so yeah, I mean I know he was a pretty good ball player himself. Though. That's yeah. what they say, and um. Uh, you know, I was just talking about this today, right after Maz hit the home run in Game yeah. 7, which, by the way, it's still the only World Series to end on a home run in the bottom of the ninth of Game 7. And yep. uh, my grandfather was in the clubhouse, and the, the press is all there, and, and he, he had Maz standing next to him, and he said, if my wife Katie were standing on one side of me and Maz was on the other, and you guys told me that I had to kiss one of them, I'm <laughs> not sure it would have been Katie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had a great sense of humor. I, I never uh, – I missed by – uh, uh, like one year of of, um, of uh, meeting your grandfather, I was away doing minor league baseball when your dad was the manager uh, in the mid '70s, and uh, he was he was no longer managing the Pirates when I came back to work in Pittsburgh. But I, I always I you know I grew up watching the guy. I was a little kid when he took over, but it's great. But anyway, uh, other things are going on here. Yeah. Um, before you came on, I had the story about how uh, ABC stacked, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, they stacked what was supposed to be an audience of undecideds with some uh, pretty strong anti-Trumpers for a town hall last week. Uh, uh, the Free Beacon uh, look, checked out some of these people and their their um, social media accounts, and they, they don't like Donald Trump. Have you come to expect stuff like this? Sure, we have. And, yeah, we're, we're aware of that. The, these so-called uncommitted voters who came in there yeah. loaded for bear and one after another. And then how about, you know, contrast that with just a few nights later when Joe Biden had a, a supposed town hall with uncommitted voters in Scranton there with Anderson Cooper on CNN. And almost all of them were identified as Democrats. And about half of them said, welcome home, Joe, because, you know, they were in Scranton, PA. And they were asking him all kinds of questions, like one after another, just inviting him to say bad things about the president. But, yeah, we, we come to expect this. And, I mean, uh, the, the fact is that Joe Biden can't handle questions about the agenda that he's running on. No one in his 75-minute town hall asked him about his plan to raise taxes by $4 trillion. Nobody asked him about 10 million jobs uh, being killed by the Green New Deal. The issue of fracking did come up, and Joe Biden's answer to his position on fracking was essentially, yeah, we'll keep the industry alive long enough for us to kill it in the Green New Deal, because it's no secret that's what they're going to do, and that would kill 600,000 jobs in Pennsylvania alone. So, I mean, it's never... It's never a test for him, and, and we'll see when they get on the debate stage next week if uh, President Trump can uh, press him on some of these things and force him to answer for once. Now, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, it was uh, I, I just saw it a little while ago. didn't have time to get it uh, racked up for the show. But uh, Joe, I don't know if it was last night or today, he struggled a little bit with the, um, with the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. Have you seen that? I have, yeah, and you know, there's there's been lots of different times where he's struggled with stuff, and you know, there's there's two Joe Bidens really in our mind. There's the befuddled Joe Biden who struggles with the battle, his battles with the teleprompter and and all of that, and then there's the Joe Biden who can turn it on when the lights come on and it really matters, and and on for the purposes of debate night, that's the Joe Biden that we're preparing for. You know, mm -hmm. remember that. This guy's been a Washington politician for 47 years. He was in the Senate for decades, and all they do in the Senate is debate. He's run for vice president twice, and he had to debate both times there, and he did very well. And coming through the Democrat primaries, he went through 11 debates and, and did quite well, and he managed to defeat two dozen challengers. So here's a guy who's, who knows his, well, his way around the debate stage. And, you know, we, some would say he's a master debater and he, he knows what he's doing on debate nights. And, and he'll, be, he'll bring his A game, where we have no doubt, and that's what we're preparing for. What kind of media reaction are you expecting uh, uh, from the announcement of the choice to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg on Saturday? Oh, I think that they're already loaded up, and they've got the list of the president's candidates, and they think they know which ones that he's zeroed in on, and they're already attacking them. Um, you're already seeing it. So I think that's the reaction that we're going to see from the media, because they're already carrying the water for the Democrats. So they've, they've, lost, yeah, I, the battle. they've lost the battle over the process, because they know that it's the president's constitutional responsibility to nominate uh, a successor when there's a vacancy on the Supreme Court. And it's also clearly in the, in the Constitution that the Senate will uh, provide advice and consent.
And uh, it's interesting, somebody pointed out uh, last night that I saw that in the Constitution it says the president shall appoint uh, or nominate. It does not say may, it says shall, which means that's that's what he's supposed to do. He's expected to do that. That's right. This has happened 29 times before where there has been a vacancy during a presidential election year. And all 29 times the president has made an appointment. But if you want to break it down uh, even more closely, of those 29 times, 19 of those times occurred when the president and the Senate were both controlled by the same party like we have right now. 19 times when the situation was exactly like this. 17 of those 19 times, the pick was confirmed. The other 10 times where vacancy occurred when the Senate and the White House were controlled by different parties, eight of those 10 did not get confirmed. So history is on the side of the president making an appointment, and history is on the side of the Republican Senate confirming that selection. So the Democrats don't have a leg to stand on. And I would point out that the president has been very, very transparent on this. He has four times released names of people that he would consider for Supreme Court vacancies. Joe Biden, back in May, said that he would do the same and release his list, but now he refuses. And so you have to ask yourself, what is Joe Biden hiding? And the simple truth is that, like everything else in his campaign, his Supreme Court candidates are controlled by the radical left, and he knows that if he revealed those names, people would look through their histories and find that they are radical extremists on things like abortion, uh, on immigration, on the Second Amendment, on property rights, uh, on uh, the regulations of government, on tax issues. Everything would be far outside of the mainstream to the left, and that's why Joe Biden won't release his list of names. We're talking to Tim Murtaugh. He's the uh, the communications director of communications for the Trump campaign. Um, uh, Ted Cruz was on CBS this morning, uh, either yesterday or today, and they they uh, I saw this online somewhere. They ambushed him by showing him a bunch of uh, recordings, videos of uh, him and other senators saying that they didn't want to have the uh, uh, process go forward when um, when Scalia died. And uh, he pointed out to them, he said, you, he said, everybody's position has changed, but why is it you're only showing the Republican, what the Republicans are, were saying then and what they're saying now? He said, where are the videos of Pelosi, Biden, and uh, multiple other people, uh, Schumer, back then? He said, everybody's position has changed, but there's a reason the position has changed. And, it, and you just described what it is. Yeah, I think that's right, because the media only sees things on one side of the street. But the facts actually really are different this time, and the facts are on the president's side and the Senate side. Again, when the same party controls the White House and the Senate, then history shows and precedent shows that the pick is made and the Senate does confirm. And let's remember that the people have spoken, John. In 2016, they elected President Trump, and he, of course, is the one who makes the selection of the, uh, for the candidate for the Supreme Court. In 2018, the people spoke, and they gave the Republicans a larger majority in the United States Senate. So the people have weighed in. They have elected uh, the two groups of people who are going to be doing this, the president and the United States Senate. And the, in the situation with Obama and the nomination of Merrick Garland when Antonin Scalia had died, It was a completely different situation. First, we knew that there was going to be a new president. Barack Obama was near the end of his second term. This time, we have the incumbent president running for re-election, so that's different. And secondly, the Senate was controlled by Republicans while you had a Democrat in the White House. And history shows that when that is the case, the Senate, almost every time, does not confirm that selection. The Constitution says advice and consent. It doesn't say the Senate shall confirm. I think the difference, uh, the only thing I would disagree with you then there is that back then the Democrats knew that Hillary Clinton was going to be president. They knew that, but um, sure. that yeah, was then. Sure, yeah, we were pretty sure of that, yeah. <laughs> so um, so how is this, um, how has the, the death of, uh, of uh, Justice Ginsburg changed the dynamics in the campaign? I mean, uh, campaign? I mean, it's obvious that that's going to become a gigantic thing, but after Saturday... It's going to be a kind of a done deal. Uh, it's not going to be a question of should he do it. He will already have done it. 
Well, yes. So the president is going to make a nomination. There's no question of that. He has said it's going to be Saturday, and we don't know who he's going to select, and that is entirely the prerogative uh, of the president. But then, uh, you know, the Senate is going to do its work, and there will be uh, committee hearings, and uh, I'm sure the Democrats won't be able to help themselves, and they will savage whoever this is that the president puts up. And they will, they won't, honestly, that, that's the simply, simplest way I can put it, is that they won't be able to help themselves. And I think they will be, be doing themselves and the people of this country a great disservice. I think everybody remembers the unbelievably, unbelievably vicious treatment that Brett Kavanaugh got. It's something that uh, most people in Washington had never even seen, as hard as that is to believe here in this town. Uh, but it has really fired up the president's supporters. Vacancies on the Supreme Court and the candidates who would be selected was a huge issue in 2016. The president has talked about it ever since then. He released his list of names, as, we, as we've already discussed. It was already going to be a big issue in, for the 2020 election, and we were talking about it a lot already, calling on Joe Biden to release his list, for example, as far back as June well before Justice uh, Ginsburg died. So it was always going to be a big issue. And when the Democrats dig in and do what they do and try to ruin the life and reputation of whoever this nominee turns out to be, I think that the American people will recoil from that and say, this, these are the people who, who want us to trust them with the White House now? Never mind that. They're already talking about blowing up the whole system. Don Lemon on CNN said that last night. we got to blow up the whole system. And so they're talking about packing the court. If they don't get their way, when they eventually take control of the Senate, they're going to add more justices to the Supreme Court because they don't like the fact that Donald Trump is going to get to appoint at least three of them. So this is what Democrats always do. When they lose, they try to change the rules. And while they're doing that, they're accusing us of being the ones who are blowing up norms. So, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it is ridiculous. Um, so um, on another issue, um, Joe Biden took another day off today, I understand. That's yeah, kind of strange, yeah. 42 days before an election, isn't it? This guy keeps taking days off. Yeah, you know, uh, seven times in the month of September already, he has what they say he has called a lid uh, which means that they, they announced to the press that they expect to make new news that day and that no one will be seeing the candidate. Seven times already in the month of September, they have called a lid before noon, uh, and a couple of times on a Saturday. And here we are after Labor Day, and Joe Biden is just taking entire days off, including on weekends, which is a remarkable inside Labor Day. Here we're at 41 days to go before the election, and uh, he called a lid this morning at about 9.30. I mean, it's astounding, astounding that this guy is going to try to sleepwalk his way to the presidency and really do nothing but buy television ads. He's not campaigning. He's not, he's not doing anything. His campaign's not knocking on doors. They're not making phone calls to people. They're really doing basically nothing but buying television ads. And the president's campaign, of course, we're buying TV ads. All campaigns do that. But our, our volunteers are knocking on more than a million doors a week. We're making tons and tons of phone calls. In fact, we've already made over 102 million voter contacts. And the president, as you just said, he's got a rally at the airport tonight in Pittsburgh at 7 o'clock. The president has a very aggressive travel schedule. He's hitting all the battleground states. He's making three and four and five trips a week around the country. And so it's just a really contrast in styles here and approach where they're just running an air war, buying up a bunch of TV, and that's basically it. We, we just like our strategy better. Well, I, I have I have a minute left, uh, Tim, and I'm up against a hard break. I, I saw some numbers on voter registration in Pennsylvania last week. Showed Republicans way up and Democrats down. What do your numbers look like for Pennsylvania? Yeah, they're they're really tremendous. Uh, it's, we've made a gain of about uh, 166,000 uh, voters. That's that's the difference between uh, decrease in Democrats and increase in Republicans. Since Election Day of 2016, uh, the Republican picture in registered voters in Pennsylvania is better by 166,000. Uh, our internal numbers in Pennsylvania have been very good all the way through. President Trump is going to win Pennsylvania again. Joe Biden can't possibly campaign in Pennsylvania and say that he cares about people's jobs when he wants to end the fracking industry and destroy 600,000 jobs in the natural gas industry in Pennsylvania. It just can't be done that way. People know that President Trump built the world's best economy once. He's doing it a second time. And they'll know that Joe is NAFTA Joe. He voted for NAFTA. Tim, Tim, got to go. See you in two weeks. Thanks. All right. Thanks, John. Hey. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. The White House says President Trump will proceed with appointing a new Supreme Court justice to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg despite pushback from Democrats. Meanwhile, 
One uh, key Senate Republican who was holding out is now backing the president's plan to quickly name a successor for the late Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That is Utah Senator Mitt Romney. Sales of existing homes rose 2.4% in August, up to the highest level since 2006, as the housing market continues to recover from what was a huge spring decline, all brought on by the coronavirus outbreak. The tight supply also pushed the median price of an existing home sold in August to a record high of 310600 On Wall Street, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed up by 140 points. The NASDAQ was up by 184. The S&P 500 up 34. This is SRN News. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. Dan Proft enjoys the fear-mongering from Biden. We have four more years of Trump's climate denial. How many suburbs will be burned in wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods will have been flooded out? How many suburbs will have been blown away in superstorms? Uh-huh. Wow. That's a, a whole lot of uh, apocalyptic rhetoric there, isn't it? It's a nice country you have there. The Dan Proft Show. Weeknights at 9 at AM 1250. The Answer. Spending more time inside? J&D Waterproofing can help you breathe a little easier. Protect your family, friends, and pets from mold, dampness, and other unhealthy elements. For over 80 years, J&D has been making Pittsburgh basements very dry and improving indoor air quality with solutions like the Easy Breathe System. Eliminate unhealthy mold and allergy-causing moisture without filters or reservoirs while using less energy than a 40-watt light bulb. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY or visit jdwaterproofing.com. This is Eric Montardi from the Allegheny Institute for Public Policy. Local governments have been spending federal CARES Act dollars. And as financially challenged these jurisdictions have been as the coronavirus pandemic continues, it could be just as challenging for them to comply with regulations requiring documentation of how the money has been used. Learn more about this and other topics at AlleghenyInstitute.org, where conventional public policy wisdom has been challenged since 1995. That's AlleghenyInstitute.org. This is Joe. Joe thinks he's seen it all. Gold-encrusted pork chop? Seen it. Cat with a dog tattoo? Seen it. But when it comes to identity theft, Joe only monitors his credit and bank statements, so he may not see threats like new loans in his name or his info for sale on the dark web. Didn't see that coming. LifeLock helps detect and works to fix identity theft. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions, but LifeLock spots threats you may not. Oh, now I see what you mean. Save 25% off your first year with promo code SMART at LifeLock.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Outbound to Parkway East, heavy volume stacked up from Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. About a five-minute delay. Inbound congested Grant Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway West, extra volume inbound. Banksville Road to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Just a minor delay, though. Single line alternating on Mayview Road in South Fayette between Sky Ridge Drive and Sunset Drive. That because of slide activity. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Mostly sunny for this afternoon, high 69. Clear tonight, low 49. Sunny, a beautiful day Wednesday, the high tomorrow, 76. Tomorrow night, low 54. 
Clouds and breaks of sun Thursday, high 76. Friday, clouds and sunshine, high 77. Increasing clouds Saturday with a high 78. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, you may have noticed that things have gotten pretty nasty in Washington uh, lately. They're about to get nastier, but is it that much worse than it's always been? I, I thought it would be a good idea to talk to someone who's been there and survived. Melissa Hart was the first woman <laughs> ever to represent Pennsylvania at the federal level. She was elected to represent District District 4 in the uh, U.S. House of Representatives in 2000. She served three terms, and she joins us now. Melissa, thanks for being on. Thank you. It's good to be with you. So I, I follow you on Twitter, and I, um, I, always, I like your tweets. You're a big sports fan. I know that. That's, uh, that's probably that why. Yeah, it might have something to do with why you follow me. But anyway, I, 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 like, I, I do like your tweets. Um, but so based on your view from, from back here in Pittsburgh, I'm just wondering, have things changed all that much from when you yeah. were there? What's 13 years ago you left? Yeah, they have. Um, we've, we've had more kind of a more aggressive reversal of what I think people used to consider who's a Republican and who's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in office, I never represented a district that was registered Democrat. They were always majority registered. I'm sorry, the other way around. Never majority registered Republican, even though I'm a Republican. Uh-huh. But as you know, being a Pittsburgher, Pittsburghers are more, I would say, culturally conservative whether they were Democrats or Republicans at the time. And what I'm finding now more is that fewer Pittsburghers are culturally conservative churchgoers, the kind of thing that you would think of as sort of traditional Pittsburgh. And so more of a lot of the people you would have expected to be Republican, college-educated people, for example, are not. Uh, or they're registered that way and they vote kind of split and we're mm-hmm. finding that more and more of our suburbs are are trending Democrat, or they, at least they have in a, the last couple of elections. And, well, you know, we saw that first in the Collar counties of Philadelphia, and it's mm-hmm. starting to leak around out here. Why do you suppose that happened? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, in fact, I've been having this conversation with a couple of my, my um, uh, colleagues. I started a political consulting firm with a, a former colleague of mine from Michigan, Mm-hmm. and a gentleman who's been in the ad business from Maryland. And um, we're not sure, but unfortunately, I think part of the reason is that people are less religious. Um, a lot of the reasons why people voted for uh, Republicans were because they were pro-life or they were more concerned about family issues, more traditional family issues. And now we're finding it that there is a smaller percentage of the population that really ranks those as the most important issues that they vote on. And do you miss it at all? You're you're working as a consultant now, so you're still a little <laughs> bit involved in it. But do you miss? Right, do, right. Would you like to still be there? Um. No. Yes. No. You know, <laughs> in this atmosphere. I would say probably not. I mean, I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and think, oh, I should be running against uh-huh. you know, Bobby Casey or something like that. Because we just need more aggressive representation. We need people who are willing to work to make things happen, you know, for our communities, both, you know, in this region and, and across the state. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think um, I, I'm, I have the skill set to do that. I did that while I was there. However, I also have a record you know, voting records, so that if I put my name on the ballot, you know, the first thing that would happen, every vote that I ever took in, you know, 10 years in the state Senate and then six years in Washington would be just, you know, pilloried. And um, I may be more effective, you know, helping others, uh, yeah. which is what I'm doing now. Well, when I asked you before about your how things have changed, um, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned how things have changed here locally. I'm wondering if, I know you're, still, you're, you're further away from it, obviously, now, I'm just wondering if uh, um, how much things have changed just in um, the, just the atmosphere in Washington now compared to when you were there. You left there 13 years ago. I know you're seeing it from yeah. afar, but still. Well, and I go back occasionally. I still talk to friends of mine who are serving. Um, some of the people you probably have heard of, Daryl Issa, for example. Um, he's one of my classmates and good friends, and he's still serving. 
mm-hmm. and he's done a lot of those investigative things when they were still in the majority. So, you know, I do, I do know what's going on. I go visit every once in a while, but I think what we see, and Mike Kelly's a good friend. Um, you know, he's, he's been uh, fabulous for this region and, uh, again, you know, they keep trying to go after him and, and he'll win again. Um, but what I see that's different, it, it was starting to trend this way when I left. Uh, people, it was it was much more partisan. You were much less likely to have friends across the aisle than when I first got involved in politics when it didn't matter. You know, you were Democrat, you are Republican, so what? Most people were in the middle. Both Republicans and Democrats were considered sort of more centrist. We've seen both parties, um, because of the primaries, you know, they, they push push more to the left or more to the right. And so the, the, there's less in the middle that gets elected. Now, I think what's weird is most of the public is closer to the middle, probably. But as to... people... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I say as people have, have started to pay attention to different issues, though, I'm finding a lot more of the public is more sophisticated about the nuances of, of different issues and, and sort of what, what the political spectrum is. Um, although it's changed a bit, but yeah, when you were there, the internet was still a little was still kind of new. There was no Twitter, I don't think, uh, in two thousand and seven. And well, we had Facebook. We had yeah. Facebook, but we didn't have Twitter. Um, we used the internet all the time. But you're talking about social media. Um, yeah, but I would agree. Yeah, social media. You know, MySpace had, was still around, and mm. um, Facebook was the tool that political people used. And you know, I didn't deal with it. Um, it was more people would contact us through Facebook, just like they'd send you an email, you know, and we'd answer that way, whether it was yeah. my campaign that would that have a Facebook page. I don't even think my, my uh, office had a Facebook page at the time. So yeah, it's changed a lot. And unfortunately, I think it's, you know, gone downhill in a lot of ways because yeah. Yeah. there it's, it's more soundbite oriented or people are just very one-sided in the positions they take, and there's not a lot of depth. Which We're talking to Melissa Hart. She's the uh, first woman ever to represent Pennsylvania at the federal level. She served three terms uh, representing District 4 in the U.S. House beginning in 2000, a uh, year 2000. Um, what did uh, what, Nancy Pelosi was there back then when you were there. Uh, <laughs> what was it like working with or against her, or, or was there any working with her at the time? Uh, there wasn't. Um, actually, I was lucky. I served in a majority the entire time I was in the House. And now, mm-hmm. you know, it, when we, you know, go to the Wayback Machine, so we had uh, a Republican majority in the House, and most of the time I was there, we had a Republican majority in the Senate, and we also had George W. Bush as president. So mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to get a lot of things done as a member of the House, whereas, you know, if somebody's serving today as a Republican, it's very frustrating. If you talk to Keith Rossett, who served for example, in the minority while he was there, it was, um, you know, pretty aggravating and um, under and under a Democrat president. So I had the best of all worlds with a Republican president and a majority. Um, Pelosi was at that time, that was when there was a, a discussion of whether she would be elevated above Steny Hoyer to become the majority leader or whether uh, Steny would be become the majority leader because at that point in time, Dick, Dick Ephardt, who name you may remember yeah, was yeah. still there. He left shortly after I arrived. And that's when the Democrats decided instead of going for the moderate Steny was at the time, they went for the very, very left wing Nancy Pelosi as their floor leader. So you, know, you could see the party really pushing harder to the left. They were, they were against, you know, we, I was there for nine 11. My first year mm-hmm. was 2001. And so we had a lot of change um, around that time as far as where people would fall down because there were a lot of new issues that we had to deal with. Uh, a lot of the privacy issues came to the fore um, mm-hmm. when we passed the Patriot Act. So Nancy really pushed, began to push. And I think really her party started to push harder to the left. And you know what happens? Uh, the money is on the left. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what the issue is now. When you look at Joe Biden, who was always a middle-of-the-road guy, and I knew Joe pretty well, he was never someone who would advance anything, let alone something that wasn't going to support, like, the credit card companies and all that. He, that. Those were his 
constituents and he was very much, you know, the guy from Delaware. Now, you know, they've pushed him into some radical positions that he never would have taken before on his own. But the money seems to be there when it comes to Democrat funding. Soros money, you know, everybody else that you hear about. Yeah. Well, has has uh, Nancy stayed around too long? And 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 uh, I wonder if you how you feel about term limits. Ah, that's great. Well, obviously they didn't need them to get rid of me. Um, <laughs> I think. Well, that's the way it's supposed to work, though. You know. Oh, no doubt. And uh, and I was really swept out with a lot of the anti-war. Um, there was uh, some Republican members who were involved in scandals at the time, and I think the country got a little tired of just my party. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up losing, of course, you know, having represented always a, a very heavily Democrat district as, as opposed to, you know, I was, I was never in there because I had a Republican district, like I said. Yeah, you but were anyway, walking a thin line all the time. I did, yeah. yeah. The first time I ran for office, I, I ended up, um, the party, the Republican Party thought I was a sacrificial lamb because I was a kid challenging an established politician uh, who was a Democrat in the mm-hmm. state Senate. And I held that seat for for three elections. And then uh, same thing, you know, with the congressional seat, because it had been a Democrat seat before Ron Klink had it. And Ron Klink and then Joe Colder, you may remember some of those people. Um, I worked with Ron Klink, yeah. Yeah, um, that's right. I'm thinking. Um, And, you know, Ron, he was never a a radical. He was always kind of a middle-of-the-road guy. Mm -hmm. And Joe Colter, too. None of them were really, really left-wing. I think the first... Uh, member to represent this area in quite a long time um, who's made some left-wing votes is the current rep, and that's Lamb. Um, you know, he, he kind of quietly hides and follows his leadership, and every once in a while he'll he'll have a cast a dissenting vote, but it's really not yeah. very often. Uh, and it's disappointing. You know, somebody, some people around Pittsburgh may remember Bill Coyne. He was kind of an invisible congressman for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same... Uh, style where Bill was able to stay there for 20 years. So it's unfortunate. I think people in this region, we need more active, more aggressive members. And we're just not, we're just not getting that right now with our Senator either. uh, uh, You know? Yeah. I want to ask you something else. And this is, um, I've always wondered about this when uh, I see people, uh, you know, people you see in other, especially people you see in other lines of work who end up in politics. And I guess Donald Mm -hmm. Trump would be a, the main uh, uh, example of that, but uh, you, you know, you left here uh, and went to Washington. Now, you had been in state government, but what, what happens to your, um, your opinion of the United States of America and all the institutions and the Washington monument and the Capitol building and all the, the history and the tradition and the flag and all that stuff do you become a little bit cynical about it all if when you go there and you and you see you know the sausages being made, or does it do you does it become stronger because you're there? I'm one of the people who it became stronger for me, um, mm-hmm. and I got to tell you a quick funny story. I think you'll appreciate this. So, Rick Santorum, a name that nobody talks about much anymore, um, mm-hmm. which is a shame. Um, Rick and I were very good friends. Um, he was actually a staffer in Harrisburg when I was a college Republican, and that's when we met. I was about 19. And we actually struck up a friendship because we were both very interested in politics. But we both served uh, when he was a senator is when I got elected to the House. So we had six years where we served together before he got bludgeoned, and I ended up losing in the process. Yeah. And... Um, one day, I used to, I was friends with his wife and his family, and so one day he was picking me up outside the Capitol, and we were going to drive out to his house for dinner, and he stopped. I got in the car, and he stopped. It was like a, one of those beautiful, um, sunny, uh, blue sky evening, and the sun was setting over the Capitol dome, and we just looked, and he stopped the car, and he said, look at that, and this is Rick now. He'd already been there for a dozen years, and he said... Um, I just, it never loses its luster. He said that the, the incredible gifts that we've been given to serve here. And, and that was exactly what I thought of as well. And he articulated so well. And after all the garbage that he went through, he never changed either. Um, and I think it's important that you don't be honest. I mean, you have to understand what the constitution says, what the founders did. 
you know, if kids aren't learning that kind of history and the struggle to get to the freedoms that we have, I think they appreciate it less and they don't understand it. And I think that's what we're seeing today. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting that you feel that way. Uh, I only have a couple minutes left here. Um, also, um, did you ever see anything when you were there that even approached what happened with the Kavanaugh hearings? It approached it for nastiness, and I only have about a minute and a half left here. Not even close. Not even close. So that's a, that's a, that's a good short answer, and then you expect it yep. to be just as nasty. Will they be as nasty with a woman? I mean, it's going to be hard for them to accuse her of being uh, raping anybody, but uh, yeah. they, uh, are they going to be as nasty with her as they were with Kavanaugh? You know, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, depending on, uh, he hasn't made his choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, but it's going to be a woman, yeah. A woman. Yeah, um, honestly, I don't think it's going to matter. I think that they will go after the nominee the same way. Hmm. Uh, well, they'll we'll find get... something, you know. Yeah, well, they're already looking. You can, you know that because the list is out there. They know who the, the prime uh the, the, the main candidates are. Hey, Melissa, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, interesting to talk to you, and I'd like to do this again sometime. To talk to a, a veteran of the congressional wars is, is, is interesting, especially when you can look at it from afar now. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on. And just one thing, yeah. um, if, you, if you don't consider um, Democrat women women, then I am the first woman to be federally elected. But I was actually the second. I followed Marjorie Margolis Mazinski, who was. Oh the well, first I I, read, I saw that, that on your Wikipedia page. You, you better correct that because uh, it's it says first that. Republican woman that, oh. that was elected to the federal, and oh. and uh, we have a long way to go in that. Yeah, well, that ain't bad. That's pretty good. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I just I just wish there were more, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do I. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you, John. Good to be with you. Good Bye-bye. to be good to talk to you. That's Melissa Hart, and we'll be right back. John Steigerwald, and I want to talk to you about the latest film from Dinesh D'Souza, and it's his most important. It's called Trump Card, and it's an expose of the socialism, corruption, and gangsterism that defines the Democrat Party. Whether it's the creeping socialism of Joe Biden or the overt socialism of Bernie Sanders, this film reveals what's unique about modern socialism, who's behind it, why it's evil, and how we can work with President Trump to stop it. This is the most important election of our lifetimes. The stakes are high, the battle lines stark, and this new film by Dinesh D'Souza explains why, as only Dinesh can do. Go to WatchTrumpCard.com and pre-order your video on demand and DVD now. You don't want to miss this important new film by Dinesh D'Souza. Order your DVD and be among the first to see the Trump Card movie on demand today, exclusively at WatchTrumpCard.com. That's WatchTrumpCard.com. Finally, here's the inside story of how the deep state went after President Trump in a new book entitled Above the Law. This is Matt Whitaker, former acting United States Attorney General. My new book, Above the Law, is a first-hand account of how former FBI Chief James Comey and top officials in the Justice Department worked against President Trump. In my book, I explain how the double standards were applied to President Trump and his allies by the mainstream media to achieve its goals. And you'll learn how the Mueller investigation was able to produce a massive report for the purpose of political subversion, in spite of the fact there was no evidence of wrongdoing by the president or his campaign. I also include my thoughts on how we ensure that this never happens again to another president or American citizen. It was an honor of a lifetime to serve this administration. In my book, you'll read why I encourage everyone to say yes to the call of public service. Get an up-close and personal perspective on Obamagate from inside the Justice Department. Read Above the Law, the eye-opening new book by Matthew Whitaker, available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit windowsrustpittsburgh.com for a free inspection 
from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's windowsoruspittsburgh.com. windowsoruspittsburgh.com. This is the John Stacker Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, in case you missed it, uh, yesterday the CDC canceled Halloween. They said it would be a bad idea to have the kids go trick-or-treating or to go to a costume party or to go to a haunted house or anything like that. So Halloween's out. Now, I, I just when I saw this, I thought it was March, March, the middle of March or maybe earlier than that when they told us that it was going to be a tough 15 days until we flattened the curve. And now here we are, Halloween has been canceled. Again, March and now Halloween, and they're still canceling things. You know Christmas is next. There'll be a Santa Claus won't be allowed to show up anywhere because a kid would sit on his lap and uh, get the virus or give it to Santa, and Santa would die. It's, it's, uh, it's nauseating, but that's what's going on. Meanwhile, there is some good news. Um, the uh, federal judge denied Tom Wolf's request for a stay on all his ridiculous restrictions uh, being lifted. Uh, they sought the stay while appealing U.S. Western District Judge William Stickman's order that was issued last week that ruled the governor's closure of non-essential businesses, a stay-at-home order, and an order to limit gathering size, uh, sizes were unconstitutional. And that means that People can have as many people as you you can have as many people as you want gathered wherever you want right now, and he can say nothing about it. So, if a high school wants to have uh, fill their stadium, I think that's what this means. Um, it's uh, it's up to the school district to decide that, and it's uh, it's none of the governor's business anymore because what he did has been determined unconstitutional, and then on appeal uh, and for a stay, it was uh, declared unconstitutional again. It was a sixty-six page ruling. And he said, uh, this is what uh, the, the Governor Wolf said. He acknowledged that the judge's ruling does lift the prohibition of mass gatherings of people. However, he added, we're working in the meantime to present schools and others with guidance to say, okay, in our best uh, estimation from the health point of view, you got to be careful. Blah, blah, blah. Go away, Governor. He should be tarred and feathered. Talk to you tomorrow. John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.